my name is Jenna Shore. I work in marketing here at Bentley Systems and I am the host of Water Experts Unfiltered. This is a podcast channel dedicated to water infrastructure professionals, experts, enthusiasts, and to anyone who has an interest in topics related to hydraulics and hydrology. In each episode, we invite one of our Bentley experts to talk about industry topics, trends, and real solutions for real problems. So if you have a thirst for water knowledge, stay tuned because we will quench your curiosity, not with drops, but with a constant flow of water knowledge. In this episode, we will be speaking to one of our Bentley experts for the OpenFlows solutions. He loves to spend time in water. His passion for water comes through in his profession and for fun, as he played water polo for about 15 years. Uh, He also speaks six languages. Impressive. Uh, Can you please introduce yourself and share your location? All right, great. So hello, subscribers, anyone that's listening right now and has real interest and curiosity in, in this fascinating industry. Yeah, my name is Julie Sal, and I live in Sao Paulo, Brazil. You are absolutely correct. I played water polo for 15 years until my right shooter could no longer help me to throw the ball, but I still swim, but on the slow lane. Wow. And, <laughs> and I love to learn languages. Indeed, I, when I was a kid, I dreamed about learning and speaking all the Latin languages, but that thing made me to spend more time on Germanic languages. Uh, I only started to learn German because I got expelled from a French class because of my beast behavior. Mm, well, there's still time to learn French someday, so keep it on your list. <laughs> I will, I will. So how long have you been a trusted advisor here at Bentley? So I joined Bentley two years ago, and I love my role and I'm learning every day with my customers and their exciting projects and everything they are doing and creating on the water industry. Great. Well, welcome, Julio. Uh, Before we start talking about our main topics of infiltration, runoff, and overflow, um, can you please tell us a little bit about your background and how you got here. Before talking a little bit about myself and my background, I want to start with a saying that we have in Brazil. In Brazil, we say that an engineer who starts working on water and sanitation is likely to remain in that sector forever. Well, there is a more pragmatical way to interpret that sentence and another more romantical. The pragmatic interpretation is that because there are still so many Brazilians without access to water and sanitation services, he must dedicate his whole professional life and we still not be able to finish the job. Um, Just a small piece of data. uh, In Brazil, around 70-60% of population has access to, to secure services of sanitation and we need to expand it to 95% until 2033. So there's a lot of job to do it. Mm -hmm. And now we got to the more romantic approach, which applies to me, of course. Uh, Because the sector is so fascinating, the engineer will never want to work with anything else. Oh, great. 
Well, I can feel your passion for what you do just coming through. So how did you get started in this industry? Where did that passion first ignite? Yeah, now let's talk about my second passion. Uh, I started uh, in that industry when I got graduated as environmental engineer with focus on water resources management, which is a very close related uh, field to water and sanitation services. Uh, during my master's I kept uh, and doctor I kept under that field. I was researching a siltation process inside reservoirs that affect hydropower generation. Um, when you got rain and runoff, sand goes to the reservoir and reduces the volume. So you get less volume to produce energy and that sand can also impact turbine operations. So I developed, developed that, that field of research on volume optimization for emergency conditions. But then I started the gradual change towards water and sanitation. So back in 2013 to 2016, we in the state of Sao Paulo were facing a severe drought. Uh, I think, I believe you live in California, right? You know how, what I'm talking about, right? Oh yes, uh, I do live in California. And we have a, a drought here, and so conserving water has become more important than ever. Um, in fact, I'm so trained to barely use water that when I watch a movie and, and there's a character that leaves the faucet running, I can't even focus on the plot or anything else. I just want to yell at the screen, turn off the water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were on that stage back then. Um, the water, the, the drought can affect crops, energy production, and even water supply. And that's when the population gets affected by it. Um, so on that, at that time, our reservoirs were in critical levels. We had to do water rationing actions. And I, I started working in a World Bank investment project to help the state improve water resiliency and water usage efficiency. And here's when I got the first contact with water loss reduction and control projects. Uh, and I also uh, work on sanitation works because there is the lack of quantity of water. That's e that is, you don't have too much water for to be produced. And there is uh, low quality of water. And when you're dumping sewage into your rivers, you cannot use it because the water is bad for consumption. Mm -hmm. So we are working on all that 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 type of projects to in, to uh, improve the the capacity of the utilities to fight against this water scarcity. So I love to talk about that for hours, but I believe today's topic isn't rough. We are talking about the opposite of it, right? ring uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> so later on i work on the project between the united nations development program and brazilian federal government to strategize and improve public policies to achieve the sustainable sustainable development number six water and sanitation and this was also an extraordinary experience that allowed me to understand on a larger scale all the challenges and difficulties that the sector has in Brazil. 
Okay, do interesting. Um, do you, can can you share a little more about what is this? What are the sustainable development goals? Yes, of course. The SDG, also called SDG. So we have seventeen SDGs or Sustainable Development Goals, which nations on the uh, have agreed to met by twenty thirty. We have several of goals, some related to poverty, hunger, uh, sustainability, and they are kind of mingled. So when you are achieving one, you're helping to achieve another one. And the number six is related to water and sanitation. Uh, it, it ranges from uh, access to water and sanitation to reduce dumping of sewage into rivers to improve the water resource management and of course uh, um, women. Women are very affected by lack of water because on low-income countries that have severe problems of drought, the women are the part of the family who has to fetch water and they can spend almost half of her, of her day uh, looking for water, bringing water to home to be able to cook and wash. So mm. this is a, a very important uh, subject because it has not, not only environmental, but also economic and social uh, mm -hmm. impacts. Wow, that's really interesting. And it just proves how important and impactful uh, the work of our users do for you know both environmental and social issues. So can you tell me um, how do you help users achieve their goals? Sure, um, that's uh, an honor to be working at Bentley. Uh, even though I have a background as engineer, I've worked on the, on the sector for years. Uh, right now, I feel that my mission is no longer to work directly by analyzing, designing, building, and operating those systems. This infrastructure is vital. And right now, I feel that my mission is to help our users to make those exciting projects by providing them information about what are the best solutions we can give them and how they can optimize their workflows so they can spend less time, reduce errors, and build real resilient and sustainable water infrastructure, especially in my region. We are in Latin America, and if you see the, the indexes of water and sanitation, even though you got countries like Uruguay and China who had, had almost 100% of uh, access to water and, and sanitation, you go to more uh, other countries like Paraguay and Bolivia who are just starting right now. So it's really exciting to give information and the best solutions so our users can do that exciting job. That's great. As you mentioned, our main topic is not related to droughts, but related to the phenomena and issues that happen during rainy seasons, right? Yeah, you are absolutely correct. Infiltrations and runoffs are natural events that are more likely to be observed during rainy seasons or when you have higher pluviosity. And in some cases, like uh, the temperate or Arctic regions when you have snowmelt. Um, the infiltration and runoff are two important processes in the hydrologic cycle. 
So infiltration begins when the precipitation reaches the land surface, and runoff begins when the precipitation rate exceeds the infiltration rate, and rotation of the surface storage are filled. We're going to explain that in more detail further on, but just imagine that you have uh, uh, a sponge that is soaked with all water and can no longer absorb water, and that's when the runoff begins. So the water cannot no longer infiltrate the soil, and the only way that it can go forward is running uh, on the surface of the sponge. But these are our natural events, they, and they are enhanced by uh, urbanization and the changing pattern in land use and also uh, the climate change. Uh, the, the climate change is likely to change the rainy patterns and create negative impacts in the existing infra infrastructure. And one way that we can see it is on overflow. So overflows, they happen when we have a, we have a drainage network that was poorly designed because the engineer or the, the project uh, designer didn't understand the magnitude and duration of these rainy events or the precipitation at the early stage of the project during the cost concept and design. Or when you have an existing network uh, in a region that the climate change has changed a lot and drastically the, the behavior of, of, of the precipitation and that that network can no longer uh, work for the new uh, rainy pattern or the absorbed of the or the, the how the uh, the land is developed and can no longer absorb water okay so you're saying that that natural phenomenon that we're going to discuss it really can impact a lot of existing infrastructure and cause overflows which can be an indicator of failing or under operating stormwater and wastewater networks right correct okay so infrastructure is supposed to be made to last but climate change is, is changing so much rapidly so this next generation of engineers need to consider the these risks and uncertainties during the early stages of the infrastructure project and uh, be able to build and operate long-lasting and resilient sustainable infrastructure um, so it sounds like it's a really exciting time to be an engineer it is it is right now the engineers they have to be, be able to handle to a lot of, of uncertainties during the concept design and without the proper tools, it is hard to be certain that whatever you are designing is going to be able to handle that amount, amount of water or the runoffs that are, that are uh, happening during uh, this stronger, more violent, more frequent rainy seasons. Great. All right, well, let's dive deeper into these topics. Um, let's start with infiltration. Can you please explain the process a little better? Yes, uh, I will. So infiltration is a process where water infiltrates into the soil. Uh, let me elaborate a little more. Imagine, like I said, the soil being a sponge. If you pour water into a sponge, it will absorb part of it. Uh, 
just like the water precip that precipitates into the soil and is in direct contact with the soil will enter the soil, the water that you're pouring is going to be absorbed by the sponge. So you can imagine that at, at a given point, the, the, the sponge will, will no longer be able to absorb water. So just like the, 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 the sponge, the soil, um, the infiltration of the soil is limited by some characteristics of the soil, land use pattern, that means how much uh, cover it is, it is exposed, so if the soil is exposed, if you have a, a concrete or, or, over your sponge, and other fog factors such as water content, temperature, and rainfall intensity. Okay, but can you explain a little more about how the sponges and soils can absorb water? Uh, yes, I can. So, sponges and soils uh, are composed of mainly three types of volumes. We have the solid volume, which is uh, which are impervious. So, we have the grains of sand and sponge fibers, and we have empty spaces in between that that solid volumes, which can be either filled with air or with water. So, let's say we have a completely dry sponge or completely dry soil, it would have only two types of volume, solids and air. And then at that stage, every space filled with, with air can be replaced with water. Uh, but just like a sponge, uh, the soil won't absorb every drop that you pour into it. Uh, that could be because of the fact that the soil is soaked with water and can no longer allow any drop of water into it. So in other words, the volume of water to be absorbed absorbed is greater than the air volume that exists at, in the sponge. And in that case, we see that soil is saturated, which means that uh, every void space in the soil is filled with water. Uh, we have also another important measure called field capacity, which is the amount of water in the soil sample that, can, that, that the soil can hold. Uh, while the water can drain from it. So if you have a, 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 a soil with larger pores, pores in, in it, it can hold water uh, not as well when you have smaller pores. Um, and there's another reason why the soil will not absorb every uh, water that's poured into it. It's when the infiltration rate is slower than the rate you're pouring water into it. So infiltrate, infiltration rate is basically the speed into the uh, in which the water can get into the, the, the sponge or soil. And it can be measured by volumes per unit of time per, uh, per unit of area. And th there's a difference between infiltration rate and hydraulic conductivity which is the ratio of soil water flow uh, into the hydraulic gradient. So it is the process known as percolation, so, uh, which we will be covering later on the runoff. Uh, and just to um, remind our, our subscribers, within uh, our solutions of hydraulic, hydrology solutions, like sewer gen, sewer storm, you can simulate the infiltration rate by using Horton or Green Amped, and you can set up different 
land uses, different soils, which would have all different infiltration rates. So you can simulate that as well. Okay, great. Um, so I've heard about that concept of sponge cities um, for preventing floods. Is this something related to what you just explained? Yes, it is. So the, the sponge cities uh, is, a, is a concept used to describe uh, cities that have planned urban areas that allows water to infiltrate and be absorbed rather than, than stay on the surface creating floods. This is also something that uh, will impact the runoff so that we discuss further on. Okay. But the interesting concept of sponge cities is that you you help to to make urban areas more more similar to to natural areas. Like we said before, that is all natural events and changes in the land use will will impact the infiltration. So uh, they want to make the cities more pervious than impervious, let's say. Okay, so more and more we hear about the impact of climate change and soil conservation. Um, so I understand why infiltration is so important for flood control, but why is it important for engineers who are designing drainage networks? Yeah, I'm going to explain you why, Jenna. So imagine you are an engineer designing a drainage network and you're working in an urban area which is paved and there is no space or no 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 infiltration rate that can that that can prevent water for, from getting to the soil. So every water is going to become a runoff. And when that runoff is 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 coming to your lower pines parts parts of the city. You're going to need a larger drainage network to be able to not only convey that volume, but also be able to store that volume. So this is very important that for engineer drainage engineers, not so much on networks to be aware of that. So like we said, sponge cities, they are made to replicate natural environments and in natural environments, the water is stored into the soil and not evaporated. And the water that is stored in the water will help to, to feed uh, green areas. And that means that those cities that are, uh, that are using that concept of sponge cities are also more resilient to growth. And, and, and it's very interesting to know that in sewer jams and sewer storm, you can also uh, model and analyze these kind of sustainable ur urban drainage systems like the suits, the sustainable development systems that are the name in UK or like they are called in US and Canada, the low impact of development development systems. So in those those areas you can, they are able to uh, absorb more water instead of creating runoffs, which will cause not only erosion to the soil, but large volumes of water that will cause floods. And now that we have a better idea of the importance of the infiltration process and how that impacts the work of drainage projects, can you explain the runoff process that you mentioned? Yes, of course. Um, 
Runoff is another important natural event that we are likely to observe during rainy seasons or during snow melts. As a matter of fact, large portions of the water that we see on ponds, lakes, and reservoirs, they came from runoff. So let's rewind a little bit. We know that part of the volume that, that precipitates is infiltrated into the soil and stored in it, but there is still part of it that will not be able to get into the soil and will not come back to the atmosphere as evapotranspiration, and that portion will turn into runoff. Runoff is that portion that flows overland towards lowlands, where you will find rivers, streams, channels, lakes, or oceans. In areas that we have uh, high slopes, runoff may include a surface, near surface flow that moves laterally beneath the soil surface and emerges back into the point downhill to become again surface runoff. Okay, and so why is understanding this runoff behavior, how will that help engineers and, and project designers? So the volume and rate at which the process happened can affect the quantity and quality of surface water, soil erosion, and stability of uh, channels and stream banks and other structures. So runoff is a hydraulic loading that conservation structures or channels will, must withstand. The design of soil conservation structures, reservoirs, reservoirs, spillways, and channels must be based on runoff rate and volume. So understanding the runoff process and their simulation techniques is vital to prevent flash floods by designing drainage systems that are able to manage certain quantities of water that will move at certain rate during a determined precipitation event. And moreover, city planners, engineers can avoid excessive runoff by preventing total impermeabilization of the soil and creating structures to store volume and break the energy of water to avoid floods and soil erosions. Okay, so you, you're like you said, it's 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 the natural event and we want to stop the negative impacts, but we don't want to actually prevent it from happening, right? You are 100% correct. This ability to cope with natural events without being affected by it or being able to recover it from it very quickly is what we call resiliency. So it's all related to climate change resiliency. At the end of the day, it's impossible to prevent runoff from happening. What we can do is to diminish the negative impacts that uh, will happen when there is excessive runoff volume and flowing due impermeabilization of the soil or extreme precipitation events. So surface run runoff discharges into channels, streams, rivers, lakes, and other uh, water uh, bodies like we said, and aquatic life and large portion of the human population depend on surface water. But high runoff rates and volumes can cause soil erosion and flooding, damaging and destroying structure, houses, destroying uh, the, the livelihood of, of people and, and, and animals. So we need to know, the uh, understand the behavior of peak runoff rates, runoff volumes, and their spatial and temporal distribution to design and analysis resilient uh, infrastructure. 
OK, so what would be an example of bad design where runoff analysis was done incorrectly or maybe not even at all? I can think of several scenarios of bad design, and this is something great about the scenario management tool of the OpenFlows brand. You can create several scenarios and alternatives to compare it and see which one is, is, it performs better. But I'd say that there might be two extreme bad scenarios. The first one, over-design a drainage network. And the second one will be under-designing a drainage network. The first one, the engineer failed to understand the precipitation risks and patterns and created a very expensive system that conveys more water than will be actually flowing. And this will res result in a system that will be always underperforming hydraulically and that is more expensive to maintain this and build, of course. And the second one will re result of a is also a result of lack of knowledge of the initial conditions, but now the engineer design and build a drainage that will fail in the worst time. When the heaviest rainfall, uh, the system will not be able to, to uh, convey that water, and as a result, we get floods, damages, and possibly even casualties. And not to mention that the fact is that this system will will need to be uh, rebuilt and will cost even more money. Okay, yeah. So so then how does OpenFlow Sewer Gems help engineers make those good design decisions around runoff? So Sewer Gems supports a lot of runoff methods that you can select and compare using the scenario methods. And not only you can also create your own precipitation patterns and compare like different time of returns uh, events. So you can be certain that the system that you're designing will be able to handle not only peak flows, but also the most common type of rain. So besides uh, all that, you can also you, the, uh, edit the properties or flex tables to create new attributes using user data extensions. And within the runoff methods that we can uh, simulate in sewer gems, I, we can mention uh, modified rational methods, unit hydrograph, EPA swims, and user-defined hydrographs. There is also a new feature on sewer gems that allows us to do 2D simulation which will be great to engineers and city planners to know which areas are more prone to, to uh, flooding and when flooding happens, how much it's the extent of the damage. Okay, so let's go back to that example of a system that is too small for a peak runoff and extreme participation. Is there a way to tell if the system is drowning? Unless you have a level meter or flow meter or sensors that will show you live uh, real-time data of the flow in, in your tubes, um, and or you have a hydraulic model to check at a given precipitation how your system is going to behave, uh, you 
won't be able to to tell uh, if the C your system is performing well. If you don't have any of those, your best chance will be to observe uh, when your main holes start overflowing. When that happens, you know that your system is frowning. Okay, so what can we then understand by observing like how much manholes are overflowing? There are some techniques of observing how much flow is coming out of manholes to understand how much of water is coming. Uh, but this is usually very empiric uh, um, process. Um, what we need to know is that when manhole holes are overflowing, that means that your system is not able to store or convey that much of water. And it's literally expelling a water out of the system, and that water will not be able to be conveyed into a treatment facility or even to a pond where it's going to be stored to avoid flood. So when you see water coming out of the, the main holes, this is a start of a flood. And a lot of regulators like to report this and and to know how well is going to be your system is going to be managed. Uh, but there is there isn't a really way to measure flow aside what we said using flow meters and hydraulic models. Okay, so I mean it's it's obviously something that we should be concerned about. Um, so what are the risks of these overflows? Yeah, the first thing that we need to be aware is that the water that's overflowing in manholes, uh, more often than not, is not clean. Um, when the water precipitates and becomes runoff, it started, starts washing everything that's on, on the street. So that could be either chemical components that are, that are really hazardous, hazardous to us, or there are systems that are called combined systems. Those systems are used to convey both stormwater, that is that the water that comes coming from the, the precipitation, and also wastewater, sewage. So if you see that uh, uh, water overflowing, it's probably water that is not clean and not healthy to us. So we want to be concerned about it and being contacted to it can cause diseases and also damages, like you said, when we had floods. So we have to be concerned with two things. First is to design a system that's able to cope with that amount of water. And secondly, through hydraulic modeling and the 2D simulation that I already mentioned, you are able to understand the, the regions of your city that are more prone to flooding. And once you have a flooding event, you can assess quickly the extension of the flooding so you can mitigate those impacts. Well, thank you, Julio. This has been really educational and informative. Um, for those of you that would like to dive deeper into the subject of how sewer gems is used to assess runoff, um, filtration and overflow events, we will link to a blog article below. And don't forget, 
to subscribe to this podcast to learn more uh, from Bentley experts. They will be uh, bringing you lots of great information, industry trends, and real solutions for real problems. Thanks again.